From the Cairo Radio Newsroom in Seattle, I'm Dave Ross, and these are the Ross Files. A few weeks ago, we talked with Ari Cohn, who runs a program called the Post-Prison Education Program. Typically what happens is someone serves their term, uh, they're released with a little money and uh, maybe bus fare, and then that's it. Uh, No way to earn a living, uh, sometimes no place to live. So what do you think is going to happen, right? So what he has done is to prepare prisoners for their release. And one of the people who participated in that program is Shelley Clyer. And Shelley, tell me a little, tell me your story in a, in a nutshell, if you can. Um, I started getting in trouble at a very young age. I went and did juvenile time for a few years. I got out, had a child, my first child. I now have five. Um, prior to 2010, I got a total of 14 felonies into prison, three times total. Got out in 2010, joined post-prison education program, went into college, straight from work release, and um, pursued a career in welding. Mm-hmm. Juggled a job during the day and college classes at night, and have been doing good ever since. So you have five and, children? Yes, I do. <laughs> You're raising them yourself? Yes, I am. That would be difficult under the most favorable of circumstances. But, but you, uh, in addition to, to uh, getting the job as, uh, as a welder, you had to kick a drug problem too, huh? I had quite the drug problem. Yes, I did. And this is what, this is what I'm curious about. Um, as you know, there's a, a big public push to do something about the opioid epidemic, and uh, we've blamed it on the drug companies. Uh, what was it that, I mean, everybody knows drugs are dangerous. What drove you to start using them? Um, I had a pretty rocky childhood, and I grew up in a drug house. Everybody around me were drug addicts. Uh, My mother's passed away now. She died of an overdose. And um, if they weren't nodding out from heroin, then they were up all night from from meth. And it has kind of turned into a product of my environment. So that's pretty much what you had known growing up then, huh? Yeah. Did did your mom ever think to reach out? for some help, at least for her children? My mom left us. She didn't raise us most of the time. She did on and off. Uh-huh. But um, I primarily raised my brothers and sisters for the most part. I was the most um, stable person in their lives. And and we got taken away at one point in time, put in CPS and foster uh-huh. care. And then um, some of my other family members got us back and at that point, we were split up and divvied out to family members. And then uh, I was the oldest, so I got flopped around a lot. My grandmother primarily had me for the most most of my childhood, though. Yeah, so raised by foster parents and your and your grandmother. Um, yeah. When you the first time you were arrested, the second time you were arrested, what I mean, were you ever thinking at the at the time, I got to get myself out of this, or I mean. What was no, going through honestly, your mind? Honestly, I didn't. Not until the very last time I went to prison. When I when I went to jail, I knew that I was done. I knew I, it was over. I wanted to change. I wanted something different. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was the very first time that I wholeheartedly knew that I didn't ever want to do drugs again, and I didn't want to uh, run the streets or or get in trouble anymore. I didn't want to go back to jail or prison ever again. Like, I just wanted to be done, and I wanted to change my life. So the Cessna took 19 trips to jail? <laughs> yeah. 
that that was only Pierce County was the 19 trips. Oh, I see. So it was more than that. Yeah, that was only Pierce County jail. There, there was more than that, more than 19 times in jail. Well, then it's fortunate. So, so when you finally came to to that decision, there is that when you met uh, Ari Cohn? Yes. Yeah, and it was a complete fluke. Like I'm, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason, and I hadn't even put myself down on the program list to go. He he yeah. goes into the prisons, which I now go in with him to prisons and talk to inmates. So when that was scheduled and he had come into the prison that I was at, at that time, it was my roommate that had signed up to go to it. And we had just got done working out and went back to the room. And I was like, where are you going now? And she was like, well, I'm going to go to this um, this thing that's being hosted by a post-prison education program. And and I was like, what's that? And she said, well, you should come. And I was like, I'm not on the list. She was like, just come, man, just come. And so I ended up going. And a friend of mine, uh, Keith, that I knew from when I was running the streets, is the other person that was in the video mm-hmm. that Ari forwarded. I believe you guys might have spoke to him also. Um, he was there, and he had come to talk to the inmates with Ari. And he introduced me to Ari, and he kind of gave Ari a little bit of my story. And things that he had known of me since we had known each other and we have known each other for quite some time and um everybody spoke about the program and we did questions and answers and it really piqued my interest and gave me a little bit of hope so you followed through and you got training as a welder yeah and is that what you still do yes wow i've worked for the same company since 2011 now, getting that first job, I understand that it can be pretty tough with a prison record, especially one as long as yours, uh, to get that job. So what what made your employer trust you enough to give you a chance? I'm actually, like, uh, brutally honest, right? <laughs> and and it's somewhat intimidating, but I think it's admirable, too. They find it admirable. I just I just give them a, a briefing of what I've been through, and and um, and I'm... And I humbly ask for a chance. So you you just told them what you told me about your upbringing and all the rest. A little bit. I just said, look, I have you know. I usually say I've had I've had a really rough road, and I'm ready to change it. Um, I have some things on my my record that that might make you not want to give me a chance, and and I'm asking that you do, and you won't be disappointed. I'm a hard worker. I'm a really quick learner, um, and and everything I said came true. You know, like wow. I'm one of the favorites at my company. They love me to death. <laughs> I've I've got more welding certs than most people there. I'm good at what I do, and I show up, and I work hard, and and I'm an asset. And 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 where did that come from? Because that's you. You certainly didn't learn that growing up, right? Well, I actually did. Really? Somewhat. It wasn't it wasn't taught to me, but I taught it to myself. Uh-huh. I had to get up. I had to teach myself how to cook. Me and my brother and sisters were hungry. <laughs> you know. Um, I got them ready for school. I changed the diapers. Nobody else would have done it. My mom was passed out on the bed. You know, um, I've always had to work hard, and I've always had to strive to get whatever needed to be done, done. So you were able to turn what I think most of us would consider to be a, a deprived upbringing into an asset because you're able to overcome it. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a wonderful story. Um, Thank you. How, you you've now of course trying to you're trying to help other people do the same thing. What's what's the secret? Can you tell me what it was that got you finally after however many times in prison to take that first step? Because that that's really what's what's required, right? At some point you have to wake up and say, 
this won't do. I have to make a change. Um, I was reading a book with my friend, my workout partner, not my roommate, but a different workout partner. And I, I don't actually recall what it was that, that triggered me to feel the way that I did, but um, it, it broke me down inside. Whatever it was that we read, I don't remember anymore. You'd think I would, but... Um, and it made me think of my childhood, and it made me think of the memories that I had of my mom and my different family members, and, um, and it made me think of my kids. And I didn't want them to have those same memories of me, and I, I wanted them to have better memories, and, and, um, and I wanted to give them a hope, and I wanted to show them that people are capable of change. And I wanted to give him something better than I had, and I was just determined and still am. So it sounds like having the kids is what, in the end, motivated you. My children were definitely my motivator. Yeah. Well, congratulations, uh, and and also uh, for passing it on by becoming a participant in the program. And, and what what's it like to help somebody else who... And I'm sure you you can probably recognize parts of your own life and the other people that you help. What does it feel like when when you have a success like that with someone else? It's it's um, enlightening to say the very least, um, and it's just it it feels good and it, and it gives me hope, right? Because sometimes um, in the drug world, you lose hope. You lose hope of everything. Like you lose hope of human humankind. Like. The people are just horrible people, right? They're not always horrible people, but a lot of them are. And and a lot of people lose their morals and don't have no self-integrity and things like that. And and um, seeing people strive to do something different and become better and and put themselves in a different place in their life, it's, it's a good feeling. It makes you hopeful. Is this, if there is somebody um, right now who has come to the, the decision that you did, I need to change my life. Is there is there always a place for them to go? Or, I mean, is it possible? Because it would be a shame, it seems to me, if somebody comes to this epiphany that you did and they decide to change and there is no program to sign up for. There, There is no friend that they can turn to for help. There is no counselor to take advantage of the fact that they've made up their mind. Um, since you've worked with the program, is it available to those who finally make the decision? Program. So this this is the levels of the program. Um, to be an active participant, you actually have to have been incarcerated to be part of the program and, and receive a certain level of of um, I don't know, entities they have to offer. But anybody can call them. Anybody can call them and ask them um, for help, like setting up an email, uh, how to fill out a FAFSA application they'll sit on the phone with you for freaking two hours if it takes two hours and walk you through how to fill this out and and what to mark in this box and what to mark in that box so that you can get approved for um, the grants to get you into school um, you're more than welcome to come into the office and use the computer you don't have to be in the program to do that and they'll help you there on the spot also so I mean there is lots of help to be offered even if you're not in the program it's more so just not the funding if you're not an active member. So anybody who's incarcerated can get access to the post-prison education program? Correct. There's an application to join the program. And um, in that application, there's a whole series of different 
things you have to answer and questionnaires and this and that. But the thing that stood out to me the most in the application is they ask you to write a thousand word essay about why you should um, be accepted rather than the person next to you. What what about your story makes makes you exceptional that you're actually going to succeed, right? And mm-hmm. and some people like I I I wrote pretty much about everything I said. I wrote about my childhood, things that I seen and was subjected to. I wrote about my children and the memories that I had of my mom and, and that I um didn't want to give my children those same memories and that uh and this many times I had been incarcerated and this many times I went to jail and prison and, and I've served this X amount of years through all of that and never once had the urge to change up until now. And I had to write a letter to the judge, too, to get um, – I got a dosa sentence the last time that I went to prison. And a dosa sentence is a drug offender sentencing act. And they weren't going to give me even a plea bargain. They were just going to slam dunk me that time and – um and I went over the prosecutor, and I went over my attorney and everything, and I wrote a, a letter to the judge telling them about my story, too, and asking to please give me a chance, because two-thirds of all my convictions were drug convictions. Mm-hmm. And never once had the courts, or anybody else for that matter, offered treatment, court-ordered treatment, suggested treatment, like no type of help at all. And um, so this time I asked for help myself, and the judge gave it to me. And and so did Ari in the program. Mm-hmm. So I was very fortunate. I would say so. So if a prisoner then comes to that conclusion, as you did, then they would have to apply to the program, write the essay, and then sort of cross their fingers, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Me, I was calling every day. I was like the biggest pain in their butt. <laughs> <laughs> I was really, really persistent. You lobbied, huh? Yes. Well, I'm uh, I'm glad it worked because it sounds like you've, You've uh, you've succeeded in a way that uh, that most people wouldn't have expected, given given the circumstances of your childhood. And how are the kids doing? How are the five kids doing? Um, great. So my oldest is twenty two. He'll be twenty three in February, uh-huh. and he graduated high school, went to college, finished that. He's in the union. He has his own place now. He moved out not last summer, but the summer prior, and uh, owns his own bike, car, truck, every like. <laughs> doing phenomenal. Um, my 18-year-old is going to Clover Park College also, and um, and he joined the Marines. He's not going into them yet, uh-huh. but um, he signed up for it, so that's really exciting and scary at the same time. And, um, <laughs> and then all my other ones are still littles, and they're in school, and, and they're doing great. i got elementary kids and middle school kids, and they're all doing really good. And I also um, raised my niece, my six-year-old niece right now, too, because her parents are both incarcerated. Oh, my gosh. So in addition to your five, you've got one more to raise besides. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shelly Clyer, who is a graduate of the Post-Prison Education Program. Shelly, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it. Good luck. Thank you very much. Remember that when there's a longer version of the interviews on Seattle's Morning News, you can usually find it right here in the original form unconstrained by the limitations of a live broadcast. And you can subscribe so that when someone says, did you hear what was on Seattle's morning news, you can say, not only that, I heard the part 
that wasn't on Seattle's Morning News. So my advice is to subscribe. And then when we talk to an author, a politician, an entrepreneur, an artist, a scientist, a teacher, a journalist, a celebrity, you'll hear every word. I'm Dave Ross. Thanks for tuning in. 